Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. Joining me today is uh, the great Justin Wells from Deep East Texas. How you doing today, Justin? I'm blessed, brother. Good to, good to get on here and talk a little bit about Texas football and recruiting with you, as always. Gotcha. Hey, uh, Justin, this is the weekend. Uh, and uh, so I wanted to ask you some some topics that we hit on this week and and really do a little bit of a um, a roundup of sorts, I guess, of some news. Uh, let's start with Jordan Addison, the receiver uh, out of Pittsburgh that Texas has shown some interest in. We reported inside to Texas reported today that uh, the Longhorns have been in touch. Uh, Brennan Marion, his former uh, receivers coach at uh, Pitt, is now at Texas. Um, you know, but we think. You know, I quoted someone in, in today's article that uh, we think it's about a 5% chance of something like this happening. Um, what are you hearing on, on your end and, and where do you think the Longhorns are? And, you know, furthermore, do you think the long, this is someone the Longhorns really need? You know, when, when Marion first came aboard, I think we heard some pretty loud whispers that Jordan Addison could potentially be following him. And, and, and at first it kind of set, it felt like a dream. It didn't feel, it just felt like, you know, internet chatter. Um, time passed, and it, it appeared that he was going to stick around at Pitt. And then last week, the bombshell comes out that he's not only hitting the portal, he's looking to to, to trade up. Um, and at first, we didn't hear – I didn't hear anything about Texas. I heard Alabama actually was the, was the main school, and that USC was also going to come at him with an offer as well. And then a few days ago, I'd heard someone within, within the program saying that they, they had heard Texas is talking to Jordan Addison and that they had reached out and that – you know, the, there, there's a back and forth there. But from what I could gather, it, you know, if you would have asked me three months ago, do they need Jordan Addison? I would have said yes before you finished the question. But now, and I know this sounds crazy, I'm not saying Texas doesn't need a Bolitnikoff award winner. I'm not saying they don't need the best receiver in college football that's coming back. I'm saying there's only one ball on offense, and there's a lot of new guys. And it's it doesn't seem like – this is a room where Addison would fit. And, and I'm not meaning that he wouldn't be like a, an immediate starter. I just mean Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, Isaiah Nayor, these guys, uh, Brennan Thompson coming on campus, these guys, uh, they would, it, it'd be too many cooks in the kitchen is what I'm saying. And so I don't, I'm not sure that Texas feels like Addison is that much of a, of a need. Now, like we said, three or four months ago, yeah, I could absolutely see them making a push just to see where they are. But since they brought in a Jai, bringing in a Jai Hall, they're bringing in a couple of other guys. I just, I, I don't think Addison makes a lot of sense for Texas today. Yeah, I, I, I think that I, I get where you're going. Um, the question is, I mean, the, the, the reality of it is, is he's a luxury, right? Now you're talking hmm. about a Bolitnikoff Award winner, one of the best players in the country. Uh, but the, the, the problem is, to your point, what does it do with team unity? What does it do with the re wide receiver group? Everybody is all of a sudden looking around like, I thought we had this settled, and now we got to resettle this 
this argument a little. I think the only thing that that would fix that that sort of thing, and you know this, is winning, right? And that there's not going to be a lot of winning to do for another four or five months when um, when football practice starts up and they get going uh, again. So or I said four or five months, just a few months now. But my my point being that I, I see where you're going, and I do think he's a luxury. Um, I do think Texas would love to have someone like like him. I, I don't know that there are enough uh, or people around to, to really go hard on on um, Jordan Addison. Right now, I'm hearing USC is still the front runner. Uh, Caleb Williams, the USC transfer quarterback, has been recruiting him for quite a while. Uh, Alabama, he was playing catch in Southern California with Bryce Young, the Alabama right. quarterback. I mean, uh, you know, Alabama already recruited one receiver out of the portal. Some think, some uh, think, and, and I and I find it interesting. Nick Saban's been a little bit. Uh, I don't want to say sanctimonious isn't the right word, but he's been pretty high-minded uh, or high-handed about uh, uh, his work in the portal. And the reality of it is, is some people thought, thought uh, whether it was Nick or someone close to the Alabama program, we'll see what that really means, might have actually been trying to get some LSU guys to the portal at some point in time. I don't <laughs> think it was Nick Saban doing it. You and I both know that that I, I think he's, he's a, a bright guy, but I find it interesting that he's one of the portal's detractors when he's one of, been one of the portal's main benefactors, I guess well, is the best way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Think about it with Saban. I feel like Saban over the last decade has been warning us. Each time some, there, there's been some change in college football, Saban has been out front to, to give his statement to what he thinks is going, the direction he thinks it's going. And I basically, I think he's basically telling people, look, I don't like this or I don't like that, or this is where it looks. And then he's doubling down. He's like, look, if we're going to play by these rules, well, then I'm going to jump in with two feet. Yeah. And this is, this goes back to something and I'm not trying to, to um, sidetrack us because I want this to be about the Longhorns always, but um, it, it goes back to something he said in the summertime uh, a year ago when he said, Oh, well, Bryce Young's already got a seven figure deal, almost a seven figure deal in NIL. And that was the first person, if you remember, that had said anything publicly, publicly. about uh, about a large dollar sum. Well, I mean, you reap what you sow there a little bit, um, <laughs> you know. I, and so my, my point being, you can't have it both ways. Um, we'll see what that means. I don't know that I don't think there's tampering involved like that. I mean, uh, Caleb Williams uh, recruiting uh, Jordan Addison, as far as I know, is not an, a, a, a violation, violation. of rules because. He is a player. Bryce Young recruiting other players is not a not a violation because he's a player. So if a, a player on the Alabama team is recruiting other players and that's the case, it's not a violation. So perhaps that's a little bit of what's going on uh, or not. I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out. It, it'll all come out in the wash. I just I find it interesting uh, that uh, that that uh, situation went there. Uh, as far as the Longhorns and Jordan Addison, though, I would reiterate that right now, I just, I think it's a very, very low probability. And I, I doubled back and checked on this again uh, before I, uh, we shot this video this afternoon. Uh, so people would uh, know that I'm not just, it's not just a one-time thing. Um, let's go, let's go a little further. You were on the road uh, this week a few times, going to a few schools. You see anybody uh, that caught your eye before we get into some recruiting talk? Um, you know, 
a couple guys that, you know, that I get, I, I've seen before, you know, with a stop in DeSoto, a stop in, in, in Duncanville, these are guys I've seen before. So it's basically checking up with coaches, checking up with players, you know, doing kind of the, Hey, it's good to see you. How's everything looking? You got, you know, what are your visits? Because with Duncanville, Texas really doesn't have anybody they're looking strongly at at 2023. They're the 2024 guys, your, your, your Colin Simmons, your um, Katavia Dotson, your um, Alex January, who is a defensive lineman who nobody is talking about near enough and really should. His dad, Michael January, played football at Texas in the 90s. This is a kid you need to know about. And then, uh, you know, with DeSoto, you've got Trey Weisner over there now. And I think that's kind of funny because, you know, for, for the longest time in his recruitment, he, was, he just wasn't really into Texas. Now he's in DeSoto in Jonte Cook's ear beside him in his locker. And so it's so funny how these things can change so quickly. And so um, I think Texas, the only thing from, from DeSoto is I think Texas is, is in a spectacular spot with Jonte Cook. I really feel good where they're at right now with that. Um, he's a, he's one of the top handful of receivers in the country, right? And no question. Rank, rank number one in the state of Texas. No question. No question. He is, he is, he's exactly what Sark looks for. He's exactly what he looks for. A guy that can go in the play the outside, play the inside, in and out of his breaks low, quickness, speed, hands, confidence. He's got it all. Um, uh, you talked to Jaden Greathouse also this week, right? Yeah, I, I got to catch up with Jaden Greathouse. He dropped his top four on Sunday with Texas, um, South Carolina, Notre Dame, and OU. And we wrote this morning where we feel like Notre Dame is kind of in the in the top position right now. And that Texas has a, a little catching up to do. And I don't think it's anything against Texas, actually, with Great House. I just feel like um, Notre Dame did a great job. And, and you have to understand the entire time knowing Jaden, he's never had a problem leaving state. If anything, I, I almost think it was almost kind of a, alluring to him to because he's a very cultured young man. I mean, it, and, you know, maybe he didn't want to stay in Austin for another four years. I, I, would, I would understand that. But Texas is bringing him in on official next month. I believe it's going to be the last weekend of June. So they get that last shot, hopefully, uh, in, in trying to turn that tide. It's not over with yet, but, but Notre Dame certainly looks good. What, 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 what was the turn there? I mean, Notre Dame, it's not like Marcus Freeman or Tommy Reese have some prolific offense that features the wide receiver. Playing time. Notre Dame's wide receiver room is very, very barren right now. I believe according, they have according, wait, time out. According to according to Notre Dame, even though they've been recruiting the position. No, no, no. I'm saying I, I think they have five guys on scholarship at receiver for the spring. And, and that's why you saw a Braylon James who's committed from from Round Park, Stony Point. You've got they're, they're, they're hitting they're hitting receivers hard in Texas because they, they've got to bring in three or four different guys. And so I think playing time is something they're actually selling him on. And also they're selling him on the global bigger picture of going to a Notre Dame and and and. He, like I said, you know, he likes he liked the out-of-state schools, Clemson and Stanford. And, and, and so if he didn't go to Texas or OU, you know, going somewhere that much further wasn't going to be an issue with Great House. All right. I got a couple other recruiting questions I want to ping you. On and I want, to, I want to talk about Jacoby Williams before we're done. Oh, is, is that the young man from Beckville? You go up and see him? Whoa, wow. Okay. 5'10", 175 pounds. Um, Reminds me of a, a little bit bigger version of Derek McFall, the, the super athlete at John Tyler. Let me tell you something, Bobby. 2024 is loaded in East Texas. I, everywhere I'm turning now, I'm seeing a sophomore going into his junior year that's going to be a national prospect. Jacoby Williams was essentially two-tenths of an inch 
away from going to state track meet in five events. Uh, he, he is a spectacular athlete, plays running back, plays receiver, plays corner, plays safety. He's going to, he's being recruited as a, as a running back and as a slot. Uh, Baylor was actually at Beckville the day that I went over there and I, I spoke to coach Mateos. They like him at running back. Um, he's just one of those compact, you know, short, quick guys that, you know, he's just a sophomore. So give him a couple years of growth. Um, he's already got seven offers. He's, he gets one every day now, it seems like. I think the Texas one kind of opened up the floodgates. You know how that works. One big school comes in and everybody else feels like they have to catch up. But remember the name Jacoby Williams. Uh, he's going to take a visit to Texas in early June. He's probably going to attend one of the camps. Um, he's the guy that he's wide open. This kid never really, he never really grew up liking any schools. And so this is a, this is a clean slate. And I want to give coach Chris Gilbert and, and coach Brennan Marion a lot of credit and, and Blake Gideon for, for finding him, identifying him early and making that offer. And so Jacoby's, you know, he, Texas A&M's on the phone with him now. Oklahoma's on the phone with him now. LSU's on the phone with him now. The kid's going to explode by the, by the end of the summertime. And it was good that we made it over there and, and kind of established that relationship. One of my fellow Laterno uh, Yellow Jackets, uh, he's the head coach over there at Beckville now, Cody Ross. He does a great job. Andy Evans, former Tatum coach that won two state championships at Tatum in the 2000s. He's, he works over there in, in the athletic department as well. So Jacoby Williams, remember that name. And he's got a little brother named Jamon, who's already six foot, 180 pounds, and will probably be the starting running back on the varsity this year. Beckham's got some dudes and it's shocking that they're not in Carthage. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, um, you know, just going around here, Texas has set up some official visits. Um, it looks like, uh, uh, not just you, but, uh, Eric and, uh, Jerry have both been talking about how Texas is bringing in guys on official visits in June that they suspect will make summertime decisions. If they're going to make later than summertime decisions into the school year, they're going to bring them in either during the school year or uh, after the regular season. So the guys that they're bringing in at this point, give us a few names that, that, that you want to go over. Uh, Cause you and I talked prior to this call or prior to this uh, video conference. And we were, we were discussing names that you thought, you know, Hey, these are guys that, that are guys that we need to be on top of that are visiting for sure. Well, for sure, let's, you know, let's start at the top. June 10th, uh, Spencer Shannon, the, the big tight end out of modern day and out of Santa Ana, California, he's coming in. You know, he's that big drink of water. Uh, you, you saw him, I believe it's spring game, 6'7", 230. I mean, he's he, he, 235. He's, he's a big kid. Um, he's one of those kids that we know Texas wants two tight ends in this class, and we feel like they're in an excellent position with Will Randall, the tight end out of Isidore Newman in New Orleans. And so who's the other one? Well, Lafayette Kaleway, I felt like, was, was kind, of, kind of be the guy, and still could be, matter of fact. But I, I think Kaleway is kind of trending away a little bit. I feel like North Carolina is, is really making a, a good push there. I think Texas has to catch up a little bit. I think they feel that, and that's why they're bringing Shannon in early, because I would be shocked if Spencer Shannon didn't try to commit uh, on his date when he does come in. This is a kid that has some, he has, he has a nice offer list. A lot of kids, a lot of people on the West Coast, UCLA, Washington, Washington State, Oregon State. Um, he, he had an official to UCLA or, or he visited UCLA last weekend. Uh, he might be seeing Washington, but I have a feeling that if, if he does come in on that, that, that June 10th date to Austin, 
and he does commit, he'll shut it down. He won't take any more visits. And so that should tell us the direction of KOA if they take that, if Shannon winds up in this class. Next up is Tony Mitchell. You're talking about a five-star safety out of Alabama who, you know, you know, most people at Inside Texas don't know much about Tony Mitchell because we haven't written much about him because I believe Texas offered him in February. I interviewed him then. He hasn't talked about him since. And then all of a sudden he hits us up and says, hey, I'm coming to, for an official on June 17th. And so, you know, that's one of those, if you're a Texas fan, you know, this is a kid that really likes A&M. And so if you can, <laughs> I've heard fans say, drive up the price. <laughs> and I know that's silly, but you can make it interesting. Texas needs a safety in the worst way, a good, good impact safety in this class. And, and Tony Mitchell's that type. So I don't think they, they're in a good position for him right now, but you get him on campus and you never know. And so he is a five-star from Bama and he is coming aboard. Uh, Andre Kojo, he's a guy that you got to pay attention to because I think he's like Texas the entire time. I think Texas has been his top school. Kojo doesn't say a whole lot to you on the record, but he's one that, you know, he's a massive kid with, with he, he does need to, he does need to trim down a little bit. He does need to get into a, a college strength and conditioning program, but he's got, Great feet. He's got a great point of attack with a good punch. He's a he's an offensive lineman. They're going to take four in this class, possibly five. It's, it looks like it might be the first four. And and Kojo's one of those that's probably going to try to jump in this class at some point this summer. Connor Stroh, he's coming in as well. Big time off, offensive lineman out of Frisco, Wakeland. He'll be visiting Texas. He's also taking one to A&M. A&M is the school you really got to watch for with Connor Stroh. There's some family ties there. But, you know, I, I know Eric and I found out about a month ago when we were down in Austin or two months ago in Austin, where it appears that Texas has recruiting Stroh the hardest, you know, catching up with his dad. Uh, Texas was putting their best foot forward. And so I, I love that they're in that with, the, with their gloves on. Um, Ian Reed, he's another one. I can't remember if, it, you know, Jerry reported that one for us. I can't remember if it's the 17th or the 24th, but he's another one that, He's starting to blow up like this guy's starting to get. I mean, he already had really good offers, but now Georgia's on the table and now Clemson has been pushing more than we thought, you know. And so people need to be you know, aware of, of the rugby seven uh, big time lineman out of Austin Vandegrift, because Ian Reed is one that don't take him for granted. I, I think he's a fantastic prospect. And I think other schools are starting to figure that out as well, especially on these um when they can go on campus and see these guys up close, these impersonal evaluations, I think are changing a lot of it. Staying on offensive lineman, Jaden Chapman is scheduled two official visits, one to Texas and one to Texas A&M. That has the looks of ending up a Texas Texas A&M battle with maybe Alabama involved as well. Uh, you, you uh, had something interesting on Harris Sewell that was somewhat contingent on a possible other, uh, another prospect visiting simultaneously, but, we just don't know and we can't piece it all together. Why don't you let people tell, tell people about that? Yeah, yeah. Trying to trying to build this puzzle is, is is our job. And it looks like Harris Sewell hasn't set his official to Texas yet. He's going to take one, he told me. But I think he's trying to line it up with when Arch Manning, quarterback out of Isidore Newman in New Orleans, comes on board. Arch and Harris have, have built a relationship. They, they, they talk back and forth now. Uh, it started last year on an unofficial when they both came in in June. It was extended the last time they came both in and got to hang out with each other, I believe, a month and a half ago. And so, you know, you got to give Sark and the recruiting staff a lot of credit. They're very strategic with this stuff. Like you said, if they're bringing in guys for officials in June, they're looking at a possible summer commitment. If they're pushing them back in the fall, 
it's a it's a recruitment that's going to stretch out a little bit more. You, if if I'm bringing Arch Manning in for an official, I'm going to make sure I'm surrounding him with the best players possible. That means making sure a Ruben Owens comes in on that weekend, a Jonte Cook comes in on that weekend, and absolutely a Harris Sewell. Because when they brought all those offensive linemen, when they showed him what his bodyguards would look like a month and a half ago when he came in for three days, you you want to feed off of that. You want to build off that. And, and having a Harris Sewell and those guys around you, I think, is why Sewell hasn't scheduled his OV to Texas just yet. And then you also have – and Sewell, by the way, from Odessa Permian, for those that don't uh, follow recruiting religiously. Um, you know, anything working on the defensive side of the ball right now that you've been tracking in recruiting? Uh, ooh. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Malik Muhammad. Let's talk about him for a little bit. You know, he's, <laughs> that kid's an enigma. Um, about, about nine months ago, that, that he was the strongest Notre Dame lean in the class. Uh, that, that, I think that was going to happen. Notre Dame had a change at coach. Mark, Marcus Freeman gets the job. And for whatever reason, I think Malik started feeling like he wanted to stay closer to home or he just wasn't feeling Notre Dame. Nevertheless, the guy's traveled everywhere. He's at Florida. He's at LSU. He's at Alabama. Uh, he's at Texas A&M. Now he's coming to Texas for an unofficial this weekend. You know, Texas needs at least two, probably three corners in this 2023 cycle. They're in a great position with Jordan Matthews. Uh, the kid out of Baton Rouge and Woodlawn down there in in Dubuque. And they're having to kind of climb up a hill with JV and Tobiano. You know, that that's a kid that unless you get him on campus pretty regularly, he starts kind of wandering and looking around at other schools. And just by talking to him last week, he's got an official set up to Georgia in mid-June. And A&M has made a huge push with Tobiano. So I feel like Texas kind of is, is surveying the scene and they're realizing, I mean, they always like Malik Muhammad anyway. You know, Coach Joseph is recruiting in there and Chris Gilbert as well. But I feel like there's a, more of an urgency now. Urgency now. I feel like there's more, um, it's, just, it's more important at this moment. And so getting him on campus, I think is big because Malik is a special kid. I mean, the on three consensus has him as the number two corner in, in, in the country. And, and he's certainly in that conversation in the top five, top six, top seven. He's a special kid. You're talking about six foot, about 175 pounds. He told me he's actually going to play a lot more offense this season. Uh, the Sock's going to need him at wide receiver. And so he's actually going to he's going to play a lot of wide receiver. And Javon Thomas, the other corner that's committed to AM, is going to be playing running back. He likes that. He thinks it's going to help him develop as a corner because he's going to see things differently on the other side of the ball. And so that, that's an interesting little uh, development, in my opinion. I think Malik coming in on an unofficial is, is kind of big. And he, he told me last week at the regional track meet that he's going to take an official to Texas. He just doesn't know when it's going to be. It could be in the, in the June area or it could be in the fall. Now, that said, a lot of these South Oak Cliff kids are looking to commit before the season starts. A lot of them. And so if that, if that continues to that and that trend continues, I can see them getting him on an official in June. I can see them after this weekend, if everything goes well, setting up that official and getting that ball rolling because Texas really needs 
a, a, a solid, solid guy in that number two spot at corner if Jordan Matthews joins the group. And I think Muhammad would fit that just right. Yeah, I, I, you mentioned South Oak Cliff, right? And this is something that with the new December signing period, I, I say new, but it's, been, it's now been in place for two years. Um, but with the December signing period and someone like Dallas South, South Oak Cliff, Cliff defending state champs, their season's going to go into late December. It'll go past signing day. Yes. Effectively. And so th those guys who are serious with their teams don't want to um, get into a situation where they're, you know, in, they're in the midst of playoffs and trying to figure stuff out uh, from a recruiting perspective. So they're trying to get their, their, uh, their eyes dotted and T's crossed prior to uh, they, they make that run in the state playoffs. Um, let's transition here a little bit. Uh, Justin, if you don't mind, and talk a little bit about the team. Uh, we talked about uh, the wide receiver room. Uh, Eric uh, wrote a nice piece today about, you know, who some of the, the highlights were of the spring and, and whatnot. Uh, wh what are you thinking right now based on, on what you're hearing? I know you talked to, to, to guys in and around the program at large. What, what are your overriding thoughts as we head into this kind of lull over the next uh, couple of weeks before, I guess it's that we, we reported that freshmen arrive on May 29th, uh, the uh, upperclassmen return on either the 30th or 31st of May. Uh, they're in between finals now and in that kind of never world period, right? W what yeah. are your thoughts as they ended up, as they end up spring, they kept Xavier Worthy, Jade Barron. Uh, what are you hearing around the team? That piece that Eric wrote today and co-authored by, you know, none other than Justin Wells, who I've, I've heard is an outstanding writer. You, sh you should really follow him. Um, you know, yeah, May 29th is when the freshmen arrive. Uh, May 30th is when the optional workouts end. And I believe reporting is on June 1st. So that's it. You, that they know they've got a month. They've basically got a month to not to, to enjoy themselves. They, it, they're in optional workouts right now. So people will come in and out at different times. They're working on their finals. So, so they, they, they give them that, 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 that freedom to come in and do what they need to, as long as they get their work done. And, and I love that. I love that about Sark and this group. I'll say this coming off the spring was a really strong vibe and it was, it was positive going into the spring game. And, and then I think we saw the offense open it up a little bit. And I think people got excited and certainly people within the program, but it, but the lasting taste of spring ball is Xavier Worthy and Jade Barrett because that locker room was not prepared for that news. That locker room, I don't think anybody was prepared for that news, but it, it hit the locker room kind of hard. It was a subject for a few days within the program, and you don't want that to be the case in most time, most cases. You don't want kids potentially transferring to be the subject of what everyone's talking about especially in these circumstances where they could feel like they could potentially, you know, get a better deal somewhere else and, and go somewhere else and make more money and all that kind of stuff. I'll say this, there's a, there's a feeling within the team that they hope that is behind them because they feel there's some confidence going into 2022. They, they feel like the offensive line is going to be better. It's, it's still not going to be where Kyle Flood wants it, but it's going to be better. There's definitely going to be more depth. Quarterback position's better. Running back position's a year better. Wide receiver room is certainly better. And the tight ends have certainly played better, especially, you know, Jatavian Sanders making that big jump, and he's going to be a productive guy this year. And so the overall gist, in my opinion, was I hope that's in the past. There's too much, there's too much to, to, to fight for. There's way too much for that to be a distraction. 
And I'm not saying it was a distraction, but I'm going to say if it kept on, it would have been. Uh, it's, and, and that's, that's only natural. You wonder, you, you got a guy that you've been working with back and forth for the last four months at 6 a.m. workouts and spring practice. And now all of a sudden you're thinking he might be gone just because of a portal and an NIL deal. And so I'm, I think they're just relieved. They had a great spring. And I think that last little few days where there were the chance of Worthy and Barron leaving, I think it kind of left a, a sour taste in their mouth. That being said, they all feel like it's smoothed over now. And we know the deadline's passed. And so for, for, for people to have a, you know, the free waiver to, to play immediately. And I, and I think now that they can kind of digest, I think they can kind of just relax and they can know, all right, these are probably going to be the guys that we're going to battle with next fall. You want to know that as a teammate, you want to know who you can rely on. You want to know who's going to be behind you and beside you. That that's, that's a huge trust thing. And so I know they're happy that that's passed on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I, the John A. Barron stuff kind of woke people up. People need to understand that might be the best cover corner on the roster. And he's probably going to be playing a lot of star and nickel at the same time. And so that, that woke people up. And, and, and I think there's, there's, there's a strong vibe there. DeMarvion Overshone is it's essentially his contract year. He has to have a big year. And if he can stay at 225, 230, stay in that range, he can, he can become a, a, an NFL type prospect, which is his goal. Um, the D line, it, this is Albert. This is this is Alfred Collins. What I would call breakout year. This is the year to break out. You're going into your junior campaign. You've been you've played for two years. You're big. You're nasty. You you have the ability to be the best rusher and or defensive lineman on the roster. This is his year to kind of step into that role and and and, and get bigger. And so overall, the vibe seems seems positive, just like it was coming off out of the springtime. I think there's an eagerness. I also think that the guys are, you know, they want it. You know, Quinn Ewers pinned something with the Players Tribune a few days ago, and I thought it was really timely. And it's and it was basically a rallying of the troops because everyone's had a hundred questions about Quinn Ewers since he's been recruited, and he answered a lot of those in in that in that story. I thought very poignantly, but the gist of it was, we're here now. Now let's get it done. And you want to hear your quarterback say that. Not to saying he's the starter or Hudson Card's a starter. Sark will figure that out. But you want those guys saying that kind of stuff. And so at the end of the day, I think they're they had a great spring. I think they really a great spring game. When you get out of that thing without getting without an injury, that's a giant data point. I think the it was a little sour taste with the worthy and barren stuff the last few days. That's been smoothed over. And now I think they're just eager to to, to get ready for June, get ready for, for summer workouts for seven on seven, because it's going to get amped up in June and, uh, you know, kind of prepare themselves for 2022. Well, I think it's interesting. I mean, you talk about the barren and worthy thing, and I agree. Um, I think from a fan's perspective, that was the, that was the concern, right? Uh, at the same time, uh, I'm reminded uh, of uh, uh, something uh, someone once told me, and that's, that's your, the younger you are, the more resilient and easier it is to bounce back. You know, it's like the, the, the rubber band is still springy. And so the emotions uh, can bounce back and, and, and uh, uh, a little bit easier, I, I think, for, for those guys and, and a little bit different than maybe it would if, if you're 50 and feeling somewhat betrayed or something, you know. So <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. I think that within the team, they'll, they'll likely uh, uh, bounce back. Uh, I'm interested to see what they can do as well this season. Uh, the, you're right. The uh, spring game was, in my opinion, a, a showcase at, at some level for the offense. 
uh, showed some nice players on on defense as well. Uh, and more a little concern there about pass rush still. Uh, hopeful that Ovio Gofu uh, is working really hard at this point uh, for the Longhorns to become a, a key member of that. All right, Justin, uh, as always, a wealth of knowledge. Uh, didn't mean to, to uh, shortchange you on your contribution to that article this morning. Uh, but, you know, I, I, we're I, a team at IT. It's, I all, gotcha. it's all a team. <laughs> okay. Uh, Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back around uh, probably on Sunday with our next video and podcast. Uh, Justin, thanks a bunch, man. Have a good one. Appreciate you, Bobby. All right. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.